Good morning. Let's, let's look to God's word in the, the gospel of Mark, beginning with verse 1 and chapter 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. They went across the, the lake to, re, to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out into the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been <clears throat> demon-possessed begged to him, begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Let's pray. Well, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon me, that as I speak, I might be humbled and you might be lifted up, and that your word might be heard and touch all in your holy name. Amen. 
That's a long passage of Scripture, isn't it? This is the middle of the story. The story starts with the Sermon on Mount and then a nighttime sailing trip which involves storms, fear, and all kinds of other drama and Jesus shows up even there. The whole time, Jesus had asked his disciples, his followers, to get in the boat and to go on a journey with him. And guess what? They did. Have you ever had Jesus ask you to go on a journey with him? I hope so. If you haven't yet, we can talk after this service. And we can explore exactly what that might mean for you. But Jesus invited them to go on their journey without telling them what was going to happen. How many of you would get in the car with somebody? I guess we did it as kids, didn't we? Get in the car with somebody and they'd say to us, let's just go on a trip. And you just jump in without even asking, where are we going? You know, my dog's that way. Or she, <laughs> she'd, she'd say, yeah, where are we going? Well, I don't care. Let's just go anyway. So the guy in the boat, Jesus is like that, isn't he? He calls us to come and follow him. He doesn't tell us what we will encounter. What he does tell us is that I will be what? With you. I will be with you. Follow me. He did. So, you got to remember, they're leaving the Jewish side of the lake and they're heading across the lake to unknown territory. Well, they know it. But it doesn't mean they like it, okay? They're going over to the Gentile part of the world. There's Romans and all kinds of other folks that live there, and <clears throat> they look at life different than Jewish folks, and the Jewish folks look at life differently than they do. And they don't always see eye to eye with each other, okay? They don't get along. So the disciples, they've traveled through the night, and it's starting to get dawn, and they're getting close to the land, and I have a feeling that at this point, the disciples have start, stopped muttering among themselves, saying, I don't know where we're going. I don't know where you think we're going. And they actually start asking Jesus, where are we going? And Jesus kind of vaguely points and says, over there. They can't quite see. All they can see is just land, kind of, but not any particulars about the geography of that land. But those disciples knew a little bit about geography. They knew that on that side of the lake, it wasn't a place they really wanted to be. And they keep going, 
kind of in the general vicinity in G, where Jesus is pointing and they get closer and they get closer to the land and the disciples have stopped muttering and saying, Jesus, you sure we want to go where I think you're taking us? And Jesus said, yeah. He says, we're going over there. And about that time, they could look up and they could see the tombs. Okay? Got this? Gentile land. Then is a cemetery. Even if a good Jewish person went to a Jewish cemetery, they would be considered unclean, especially if they touched anybody who was dead or recently dead or anything under that category. Unclean. And they're looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I don't even know what we'd have to do to become clean again after going to this place. Are you sure you want us to go there? And he just points, says, land there. So they land. They take the boat in, secure the boat, and they have a welcoming committee of one. <laughs> of one. And this guy don't have any clothes on. And he's got chains hanging off of him. He's got wild hair and he's got stuff going on with him that makes him look wild out of his eyes. And on top of that, he's screaming at Jesus. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, I think we'll just stay in the boat. <laughs> I think we'll just stay in the boat because it's safe right here. And Jesus says, come on, come on. You know, if you follow Jesus, he always takes us to places that we never expect to go. And a lot of times he takes us to places that we don't want to go. But always know that if you follow Jesus and he tells you to go somewhere, there's a reason for it. Even though you may not be comfortable with it. There's a reason for it. When Jesus left the shore on the other side on Galilee to go over to that other side that shall not be named, he had a reason. We'll explore what that reason is. So here's this man crying out and bearing witness a Gentile crazy man, a Gentile man who the scripture says was possessed, a Gentile man who we might today call having a, a mental break, a Gentile man who's not himself. 
broken. And he identifies Jesus for who he really is. Because he's the Son of Man, the Son of God. You gotta remember those disciples sitting in the boat, they had been with Jesus many, many days, many, many hours, but they weren't quite settled on who he was. They weren't certain who he was. Here is this man, a Gentile, broken and separated from all others, who look at, looks at him and says, you are the one. You are the one. This man who's living among the dead, this man who lives a shadowy life, a man who'd been separated from his family, his friends, for God only knows how long. A man, it's said, that could not be contained by even chains, could not be contained by many strong men. Wow. And Jesus just simply says, evil spirit be gone. Then this conversation happens. This is the most amazing conversation of all. I hope you overheard what the conversation was, and I hope that you can relate to this conversation above all. Jesus turns to this man that no one had addressed in years. No one had acknowledged him in years and says, what's your name? Tell me your name. There's power in that statement. You know that? We don't ask people's names that we really don't want to get to know, do we? We just kind of do the generic, oh, hey, <laughs> and walk on by, don't we? How you doing? You keep going. And Jesus looked at him and said, what's your name? I imagine this guy had to think for a while, don't you? I think this is more than just a simple answer. I think there's a conversation in the midst of all this that the gospel writer doesn't give it all because guess what? Don't have to. But there's a discourse. But in the middle of all that discourse, this man discloses his problem. Whether it's self-revelation or whether it's just the leading of the Holy Spirit, whatever, he says, we got legions in here. You know, that's a good Roman word. <laughs> you know, that's a good, that's a good Greek word. Legions. And then the evil spirits, you notice there's a bartering time. Have y'all ever bartered with Jesus? In my part of the world, they called it dickering, you know? You know? Jesus, what can you do for me? <laughs> you know? If you just cast us out here, we'll be floating around and we're going, we're going to be gone. You know, we'll just dissipate, whatever. 
We want to stay together. Have I told you they're in a Gentile part of the world? And they're in a cemetery. And actually, this cemetery probably doesn't look like our cemeteries. It doesn't have headstones and pretty markers and flowers and all this stuff. There's some natural caves up in there where a lot of people are buried. And I have a feeling that the pigs lived in those caves with whoever was taking care of them as well. Did you notice how many hogs they had? Anybody notice how many they had? Now think about that for just a moment. 2,000 hogs. I grew up on a mountain farm in southwest Virginia, Wise County, and we had two hogs at the most and a few little pigs. And here's why I'll tell you. They stunk. You could smell them. Good thing it was our barn was a long way away from where the house was. But still, if the wind shifted on a hot day, ooh, can you imagine 2,000 hogs? They bartered and the evil spirit says, send us amongst them. Amongst them. And Jesus says, okay. And the end result was they went and then the pigs went, didn't they? They went down the hill and straight into the lake. Floating hogs, folks. Pig futures went sky high. There was more bacon in the Sea of Galilee than you can imagine. The people who were taking care of the pigs did what? What any good employee would do. They say, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And they took, hightailed it back to where the people who owned the pigs were, and they told them what was going on, and then the whole town emptied out and went to the cemetery. I don't think they were going there for a picnic, do you? I think they were going there to have a word with this man called Jesus. I don't think they went with pleasant intent when they got there. What they saw was what they, the last thing they expected to see. Here was this no-name man who had existed in the shadows, this man who was a living dead person, sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and in his right mind. I like the way he said that in the scripture. He said, in his right mind. That crowd came with blood intent and it changed from anger to fear. 
Because what or who on earth could do such a thing as this? And they start begging him to leave. There might have been one or two still angry, but they said, Jesus, we don't have a place for you here. In essence is what they were saying. Here's the amazing thing. Remember I said Jesus doesn't do anything on a whim or by happenstance. He did all things with intention. And he spoke all words with intention and purpose. If somebody was telling me I had to go my first reaction would be twofold. There's part of the mountain boy that would rise up and say, tell me why? And the second part would be, make me. You know, that, that would be the two responses. But Jesus does neither one. He simply turns I think the disciples, they've already beat him back to the boat, don't you? I think they've already run back there. He turns to go and get back in the boat. And this man who had no name that Jesus allowed him to speak his name and to be known by him and then to be known for a child of God, as a child of God, This man follows Jesus and says, can I go with you? I can't blame him, can you? There's a whole lot of times in my life I wish I was, Jesus was in the room and I could just, you know, walk behind him. And then Jesus says the most unexpected thing to me. He says to this man, no. I said, what? Jesus, why would you? This man has went through so much he deserves to spend a little bit more time with you. But Jesus came to that spot and that place for this reason, along with one other reason I'll get to in a second. With this reason, he said to the man, go back home. Go back to your community and the people who used to know you and tell them everything that you have experienced and how you have changed as a result of relationship with me. And he did. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? And guess what? The people listened to him. Did you hear what just happened? This was one of the first Gentile witnesses, evangelists. Do you hear that? And he went. I think there was a further conversation that took place in the boat with his disciples. Remember those disciples who didn't want to go there and then 
once they got there, it scared them so bad they wanted to go home. They were crying for their mama. See, Jesus invites his disciples to always follow him. It's not just for the joy of the trip. It's for the purpose of learning on-the-job training. If Jesus invites you into a difficult situation, it doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. It means that he's taken you on a learning trip, field trip. He had the opportunity to train them, teach them about what it means to follow him and to prepare them for what would come. To follow Jesus doesn't mean it's all easy and simple. It means that we engage life through faith in him through the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do what we think we can't do if we remain connected to our Lord and our Redeemer. It means we don't sit on the sidelines. It means we're saying, Lord, I want to be involved. What do you want me to do? It's the first prayer I pray in the morning. It's a scary prayer. I mean, literally, it's a scary prayer. Here's the prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do with you today? And then listen. And then listen. My friends, our Lord and our Savior gives us a name that his name. It's his name. To be called a Christian doesn't mean it's nice and easy. It means we're in the midst of life and the world. And we go to the places that scare us. But we carry his name, his holy presence with us. He calls us to be and to be engaged. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, engage us. Help us to be a people who meet in cemeteries and call forth life by following you and obeying you. In the name of Jesus, we seek. Amen.